Christian uh, world that, that, that we're all imagining here. He says, um, I'd, a- I'd asked Vance to tell me on the record what he'd like liberal Americans who thought that what he was proposing was a fascist takeover of America <coughs> to understand. He spoke earnestly. I think the cultural world you operate in is incredibly biased, he Hello. said, against the, uh, his movement and the leaders of it, like me in particular. To my pods here. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, the people who politically oppose me are biased against my worldview and would, hmm. would actually um, seek to prevent me from leading it. Okay. He goes, on to say, yeah, he goes on to, to say, uh, he encouraged me to resist this tendency, which he thought was the product of a media machine leading us towards a soulless dystopia that none of us want to live in. That impulse, he said, is fundamentally in service of something that is far worse than anything in your wildest nightmares than what you see here. Okay, but again, like, I would like, I, I, I wish James Pogue or someone would have, like, get, get him to sketch out, okay, like, what is the worst, mm. like, what is the scenario you're talking about here? Is it just more of the same? Because, like, that's a nightmare scenario to me, too. But, like, I mean, he, he's, he's waving away that, like, I, I, know, I know a fascist takeover of America um, seems disturbing to you, but if we don't do it, the end result is going to be something really scary for you. And I, well, I, like, I, yeah. I would have liked him to, like, just, just I want to I hear that. I wanna, just let's, let's get wild here. I want to hear this fantasy scenario play out. I don't think it's, like, I, I, I don't <clears> think it's, like, that different from any.
Wow. <clears throat> Incredible. Wonder who made that. Hmm. What's this? Uh, <laughs> Hello. Wonder what this podcast is about. You can track his entertainment. So the um, so like for example, there's there's an account here in Albuquerque. Um, it, it's yeah, it's like a bot, and it's a it's a circular advisory, and it's called Sky Circles ABQ on Twitter. And I like yeah, cool. I I, th I just think it's simply fascinating fascinating right like e even if it's just like oh i'm doing a water well inspection Very they cool. make the most amazing patterns in the sky like it, it's, it mm. just makes me yeah. feel better too like oh it's just pnm checking the power it's interesting podcast about, like celebrity divorce and what that's like and living in that world every time you marry someone you have to expect that at some point you have to know that that could happen um and it's yeah right cool. so maybe the servers are still up and running we'll have to uh, uh download the app and become friends on the thing and see what oh my happens God. inside the kim kardashian online uh app the game i, li I like the idea of like all uh, online gaming that's incredible what else are they going to talk about wow lines and connections and filler it feels exploitive like intervention feels exploitive even even at its best it still feels a little exploitive there are moments in the kardashians that feel exploitive but knowing that the family has final cut is what lets it's... you know that it's genuine well, exposure of vulnerability instead of you know knowing that chris is ultimately mm -hmm. the person who has final cut Broadly, stemming back to 1973's An American Family, which we've talked about here on the podcast, families have always been a central focus of the reality mm. genre. This is a, uh, if you don't remember, this is a uh, reality show that appeared on PBS. It was essentially, uh, it's frequently credited as the first reality program, even though this book itself doesn't credit it as the first reality program. Mm -hmm. It it's credits it as at least the cloudy origin. It's true. That, Worth checking that out. That's 
a wild coincidence. Wow. So like, so like, I, I don't know, like, so like again, like it, it, it feels yeah. like I've come back full circle, like like this fucking off the cuff bullshit joke I made of, and I like I think I said it as a joke initially of like I Love Lucy is the first reality TV show, but I didn't really say it as a joke. Like I meant it. Like and yeah. now I'm just like, no, I agree. I feel like I'm getting like reinforced in that as like, yes. hey, that wasn't just like some bullshit you made up, no. dude. Like hmm. like that's real. And, like, and I feel I feel like um, it made sense to me maybe because I read that book and I meant it. I accepted it in a very legitimate way at the time, but it makes me think even. That maybe the reason that reality shows didn't exist before yeah, 1973 he's, he is because we right. didn't have the visual like vocabulary to like make a show or like interpret like yeah, what, carrying a camera around yeah. or how effective I mean, it could be. Inter- simply like no one had ever no, done just enough of it to I don't know. No, you're right. It was a thing. You're I mean, right. If you really it's think true. about it, like uh, home movies and video cameras and all that kind of stuff, like that's what created kind of we kind of collectively created this aesthetic of carrying a camera around filming someone totally. for that. Yeah. I mean, it was very, very rarely handheld cams were very rarely used in, in cinematography. No. Yeah, for sure. Things, I think, for sure. For sure. I know even like the steady cam wasn't even like a thing that existed until like mm-hmm. what, uh, that movie with the cars, the car chases. No, 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 Isn't you're wrong. Like, uh, I actually looked it up. You're wrong. It's French not Connection. that. Wasn't that like, no, movie I, I mean, it, it, they did use it in yeah. French connection. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Oh, uh, you were, that's fine. And completely no, see, and base. so right now that you said that, it also made me think of the Wonder Years. Oh, okay. Because the yeah. Wonder Years has that a lot, right? Yeah, Where it's like, aesthetic. oh, here's me having like a recollection of yeah. all of this shit. It, oh, according to Wikipedia, it too is a slice of life genre. You hmm. know, yeah, my favorite genre, slice of life. <laughs> I remember that. That is the hardest I've ever laughed on this podcast so far is when I had to be described over and over again what Slice of Life was, even though I was describing it. But <laughs> um, what is it? Um, maybe that about does it for us today. No, wasn't it based on a movie, too? This stupid thing, I mean? I don't even remember. The Wonder what Years, the, was the Wonder, it? Oh, yes, it was. The Wonder Years is based on some... It's based on something, for sure. And it says it at the beginning of the show. It might even... Like, they might even credit the thing. Here, I can look at Peter real quick. Oh, I'm totally looking for it. Okay, I'll let you do it. I'm just like, eh, there's... Somebody we'll, really we'll loves on The Wonder Years on Wikipedia. We'll close on how The Wonder Years was at Junkly, um, a reality television show based on the fact that it was based on um, a real-life story like written by Fred Savage about uh, his cousin, Kevin Arnold, who was a teenager growing up. <laughs> no, I'm just making that up. <laughs> no, I know. Not, that did not happen. No, I can't even find it. Did you know that Canceled Daniel Stern uh, from uh, all those things is the adult version of Kevin? Daniel Stern of, really? of Home Alone. Yeah. Did he do the... Oh, he does the narration, too. Yeah, I didn't know that. Whoa. Whoa. Huh. How about that? Hmm. Now I'm looking at the Wonder Years logo, and I'm thinking very much that it reminds me of the Home Alone logo and how Daniel Stern is also in that. Um, Anyway. No, it's not based on a movie. Okay. It, I guess it's just like original TV. It won a primetime Emmy after only six episodes. Wow. 
so someone thought it was good in 1988. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, we've learned a lot in today's show. We've learned about how the Wonder Years is, is once again, a, a, the, an adjunct yeah. reality show. Uh, I Love Lucy, we've confirmed that we will find journalistic uh, backing to, for our claims that it is the first reality yeah. show. Mm-hmm. That's and, what I'm going to um, say. And on top yeah. of all of that. And if that, not, I'm going to fucking write it. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, um, we'll, 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 we'll figure this out. We'll put it together. And um, that's the way that we'll get our podcast out there is we'll have the first scholarly article um, by a college dropout and, and someone who knows about how to get access to journal articles. <laughs> yeah, right. And then we'll be well respected <laughs> among our peers. Finally. Finally. <laughs> finally, respect you know among why? our because peers. Because we'll be on TV. About, exactly. We'll be writing about TV on TV. Um, hmm. I'll have to find. Nope, she doesn't have a show anymore. Wendy Williams would have had us on to talk about this. I'll have to find her replacement. There was a reboot. Uh, yeah, Wendy Williams is, oh, is fallen fallen ill. Yes, um, so very sad. Place. Yes. Now we're ending the show on a sad note. What can I say oh, before I we leave to get everyone? Well, back we're starting the show on a sad oh, note, but that um, we'll get there. The people who made the Wonder Years, they also made Growing Pains and the show Ellen, so we can blame them for that. Yes, but because they are a married couple who made all of those television shows mm-hmm. that means that they have lived out the david byrne reality mm-hmm. that is predicted mm-hmm. in that fucking song <laughs> Find by me a talking job. heads mm-hmm. yeah. i i've always I, i'm frequently and, and 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 i will go on just a little bit more about this family i'm thinking the phrase the family or no excuse me the phrase the couple from that talking head song now represents this couple um i've been seeing other people say this lately if you google it i'm not the only person who's been saying it on twitter for the last three months um so that's funny yeah the couple from the talking head song yeah that's this is them now let's convert it's clear (laughs) i'm just gonna keep saying this until it turns into a phrase that people say yeah no this is this is who this is and like maybe we're wrong but like we're gonna say it over and over again we're eventually it's gonna show up in a citation mm-hmm. in an academic journal and it will mm-hmm. have become the truth because that's, exactly that's how you know the truth is it's is it gets cited in an academic journal and then someone talks about it on a podcast and then it becomes part of popular culture and that's uh, right and then the loop continues and then we've done our job and, and uh, we're just wagging the dog here that's all we're doing Actually, if you really think about it, we are, and that's beautiful because it means we're creating our own space to exist in. It's kind of like uh, Howard Stern, except less offensive. Um, we are the music makers. We are the dreamers of the dream. It's true. And, and that's how we'll close out. Kathy had the, the final word. She developed a, an amazing uh, quotation from someone or, or an original work. Was that an original work? Did you oh, yeah, that no, out? that's totally a quotation. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm going to say it's like Willy Wonka because that's like I think where most people recognize it from. Mm-hmm. But I'm always quoting the fucking Aphex Twin song, which is sampling the Willy Wonka because I want to get together with nothing but Aphex Twin enthusiasts on my own dating show. I got quickly give us the name of the title track so I can make it the outro. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do the research. <laughs> oh, it's one of the ambient works. I don't remember. It. Okay. I'll, I'll do the, <laughs> the name of the research. track is We Are the Music Makers. That I go. do remember. I'll put that mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Oh, good job, we'll me. We'll be back, everyone. 
in I a like week that. or so. And uh, until then, just watch a bunch of reality that? TV and then bother us about it. If you know how to contact us, you can figure it out, or you already know it already. So <laughs> tell us what you're watching, and maybe we'll watch it. Mm. And I'll, oh, by the way, be keep really, watching baseball, oh. and uh, we'll, I'll keep uh, thinking about watching Baseball Wives. I mean, keep thinking about watching it. Mm. I just have to be in the right mood. Put to that watch music there at the end. Show from 2009. It was very crazy. professional, Brian. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I wonder if I fucked up the end of that thing. Did I? No, there's no way. I've been seeing other people say this lately. Oh yeah, there we go. Lickable wallpaper for nursery walls. Lick an orange, tastes like an orange. Lick a pineapple, it tastes like a pineapple. There we go. Go ahead, try. Mmm, I got a plum. Grandpa's banana's fantastic. Try some more. The strawberries yeah. taste like strawberries. The snozberries taste like snozberries. Snozberries? Who ever heard of a snozberry? We are the music makers. And we are the dreamers of dreams. Perfect. So that's the other podcast. Um, I hadn't listened to the whole thing back yet. That's fun, though. Made some other music. Parody song of a silly, goofy song. What else has been going on? What else has been going on? I just want to go back and share one item that I don't think got enough attention. See if I can find it real quick. If I remember, it was a woman and an inspiring somewhere. for another thought. Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, I know, like people were obsessed with that forever. Much ado about nothing. That's what it was. I, I, I couldn't. People wouldn't stop talking about that for the longest time. I don't. I never understood that. Well, just we'll get there. Um, anyway. Uh, as a younger man, he channeled much of his pain into his work. Let's see. The Golden Girls and the... Oh, here we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. His father, Tom, was a second-generation television writer whose mm-hmm. credits included The Golden Girls mm-hmm. and The Dick Cavett Show. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. He had lived through, apparently didn't learn much from the Golden Girls. He had lived through many writer's room battles, and he and Lee ran the home as though they were in the thick of one. If you weren't funny or entertaining or agreeing with them, they would cut you down or turn you to stone. You mm. call cool. Mm. Whedon was the youngest of three boys, soft and slight. I wonder if the other two turn into characters like you. And anxious, he had a long red hair that caused people to mistake him for a girl, which he says he didn't mind complicated i that's a message that's not he's that that's not he's saying that for very complicated and manipulative mm-hmm. reasons mm-hmm. not for the legitimate reason that he might be trying to attempt to have you assume 
He identified with, quote, the feminine, a testament maybe to his connection with his mother. She was, quote, capricious and withholding, but she was, f- uh, but she frightened him less than his father, especially his brothers, mm-hmm. quote, admirable monsters who, quote, bullied the shit out of him mm-hmm. on weekends and in summers. He would pass his mornings pacing the long driveway of the family's second home, mm-hmm. a farmhouse near Schenectady, mm-hmm. making up science fiction universes or plotting elaborate revenges on my brothers. Normal person. Whedon now has a long... Uh, Whedon now has a term for the damage his t- childhood caused. He says he suffers from complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Can I just pause for a second? Uh, uh, does anyone else feel like... Open question to the world. Does anyone else feel like phrases have a shorter shelf life than ever? I feel like it's already outdated. Condition that can lead to relationship problems, self-destructive behavior, and addictions of various kinds. I asked if he would be willing to share his most traumatic memory with me. I'm going to run to the loo, he said. Like, totally normal thing for an American man to be saying when they're uh, in an awkward situation. What are you even who you didn't grow up in London? What what are you doing? Exactly. Why are you putting on an affect like that? Hmm. It just makes you look like a maniac. Maybe the host later he would slip, go wild and he would celebrate let slip that. Someone had advised him to pretend he needed to pee if he felt uncomfortable with the question. Mm-hmm. What is your what are you doing? Why do you even have a publicist or an advisor or anything at all? If you're going to do this article and then take advice <laughs> and then still say the advice that they let you Josford. say because you can't be trusted to be a normal I'm, person. I'm speaking about Josford. Returning to here. the couch, he affected a sort of Vincent Price voice. <laughs> there we go. Give me an excuse to do a voice. Um, so, excuse me, sir. Um, can you tell me your most traumatic moment? Uh, I'm just going to go to the loo. I'll be right back. And you're sitting there, and you're taking your time, and you're being a patient journalist. And then he returns, and he's like, uh, hmm, let me see. Actually, I'm just going to provide a little bit of an extra. Yeah, an go ahead and do it. Just for a second, oh. because I know. How, 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 come on. Yes, do it. How can I, how do can it. I miss Do this? it, do it. Come on. Do it. Do it. Oh, yeah. Do it. Okay. So you ask him. Do it. You ask Joss Whedon this. <sighs> you're chatting with Joss Whedon. He's like, you know, I now have a term for the damage my, uh, that I had in my childhood. It's complex post-traumatic stress disorder. It's mm-hmm. a condition that can lead to relationship problems, self-destructive behavior, and addictions of various kinds. Right. That's what he sold me. And then I asked him if he'd be willing to share his most traumatic memory with me. And then he said, I'm going to run to Lulu, mate. <laughs> and then uh, a few minutes later, he comes back, and then he says something like this. Uh, I wish I had the multi-track on this. This is what he says. This is him coming out of the bathroom. Coming back. He's walking back from the bathroom. And, uh... And now... Terrors. Of horror and woe.
childhood caused post-traumatic stress. A condition that can cause through relationship problems and self-destructive behavior. With additions of various kinds, I asked to be willing to share his most traumatic memory with me. I'm going to run to the loo, he said. Later he let slip that someone had advised him to pretend he needed to pee if he felt uncomfortable with the question. Returning to the couch, affected a sort of Vincent Price voice. And now, direct quote. Whedon said the tales of horror and woe. Here it comes. When he was five, a four-year-old boy, the son of family friends, disappeared this. on his parents' property upstate. Mm-hmm. Eventually, his body was found, and he had drowned in the pond. Years later, as a teenager, Whedon remembered he had called the boy over to the pond to play with him. After getting bored, he had walked away, leaving the boy alone by the water. I don't think it was my fault, Whedon said. I knew I was five, but it didn't just disappear as a thought. I took him another 30 years, he said, before another thought dawned on him. Even after the incident, his parents never taught him how to swim. There was no structure. None. He said there was no safety at all. No, uh, his parents split up when he was nine years old. At 15. He went to an all-boys boarding school in England, where he read more Shakespeare, joined the fit team, <laughs> and struggled to make friends. <laughs> I was very dark and miserable. This hideous little homunculus who managed to annoy everyone, he told the author of Joss Whedon. The biography. Then in 1983, his fortunes changed. He had arrived at Westland University where he discovered his artsy, angsty personality could actually be attractive to women. He got a girlfriend and traded his basic name for a more interesting one. Then he found a mentor, the eminent film scholar. Genie Bassinger. I'm gonna continue. <laughs> Bassinger, sort of campus Bengali, is surrounded. Oh, that was lovely, wasn't it, folks? Lovely, love that. That was a, a minimal amount of effort for a decent amount of content, right there. Here's uh, one thing that I want to continue up on. See if I can get it back. Let's see. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I like these episodes a lot. Turn down the phone playing the blasting stereo. So uh, with uh, with these intros, what I like to do is I like to take an actual radio and like play, put in some AAA batteries and play the damn radio. But also um, lately I've been also messing with the simulating radio uh, sound so I can get some other kind of effects. Um actually use that just in that song there in the beginning um but yeah i i love these gives you a little time stamp sort of gives you like a place stamp um i think it's a cool little intro and plus the quality is low and everything like ultimately there would never be any like copyright issues i don't think so not that i really care about that anyway um but yeah i i thought it was pretty interesting 
It's as interesting as a time and date timestamp, which I think is very interesting um, indeed for any podcast to actually give the exact time and date they're recording, um, not only just for perspective for future times or listening back or whatever, but just, um, I don't know, it's a nice little attachment to the world. It can be like, oh, that's exactly where I was when the podcast was being recorded. And, you know, UID and I think even uh, Chapo these days like gives a date at least. Um, but I think the time, exact time is a fun little additive um costs you nothing and has a little bit of attachment to your audience but uh yeah let's see where this podcast is going how long do they keep this going who are these people what are they editing like this for how long do you let that go hope you have a patient audience oh that's right yeah i gotta play a good song that captured the audience wouldn't want to play the good song before what I was trying to get to. Let's see. I can find the part of the drum bridge. Uh, I hope they're chain, long island chain, to back up for a wide field imager for Parker Solar Probe, or more people would like it if they took a chance and saw it. They don't even know it exists. <laughs> In fact, I'll say it the right way. They don't even know it exists. They don't even know it exists. Something like that. Something like that. Four-time nominee for Better Call Saul. Four-time nominee for, for Better Call Saul for the Golden Globes. I met him briefly once. I met he him briefly very, once. Uh, he was very, uh, very nice. He even took the even, uh, card, took out the the card out of his shoving out of my hand. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I don't even I know why. Probably. Uh, I wouldn't do um, that. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Here's a quick article. Here's a quick article. Something I do want to follow something up on. Something I do want well. to follow up on as well. UN weighs treaty to fight plastic pollution. Uh, UN. Uh, there, this is broken uh, down finally. Uh, Tuesday. Let's see if we can do it again. Uh, creating a class invisible structure in in terms of fashion, I think. In terms uh, of fashion, like I think athleisure, like athleisure and workout wear has, has created, has kind, created of a, kind of a classless, classless zone, in, zone terms of, in terms of. Um, I don't know. Classless don't or know. Class classless zone. Or class it's kind of confusing. Zone. Anyway, yeah. I question your confusing. taste level. Shows like Honey Boo Boo teach us how monetary <laughs> distinctions ultimately become. Oh, music. Cool. More music. I'm not going to find the part. I'm not even going to find the part about. Um, this episode was called, as episode 18, Once Upon a Drawbridge. And um, you'll notice in this episode that I actually, um, it's, it's kind of weird. It was called Once Upon a Drawbridge. That was supposed to be a joke because I thought I had read two separate drawbridge stories in one uh, show. And I don't think I actually did that. And the idea in my head was that it was going to be called, um, was it going to be called Twice Upon a Drawbridge? Or was there three stories? Either way. Um, one of them uh, was quite grim, and so I think mentally I might have just said, like, oh, we don't need another story about someone dying at a drawbridge. And then I also left out the idea that I had to um, describe a very basic uh, machine which would prevent drawbridge deaths, and we could, but then all of that, all of that um, just went sideways because it seemed kind of grim. 
And now I'm repeating it for your benefit. So let's see. What else have we got? He asks out loud. Did Bounty Law air in Europe? Sorry about that. He finds the page he's looking for, then looks from uh, the page to Rick. Yes, it did. Good. Hmm. Rick smiles. Marvin looks back down. Oh, the here's a good one. Says, Nobody listened to this. Searching. Remind me to never do an intro like that again. <coughs> I was just reading. It's a joke. What we're about to read together. Just this microphone. I'm sitting at a desk instead of sitting on the floor. <laughs> so much in front of me. I was going to read. It's true. I should go back to sitting on the floor cribs again. Cribs in the mansion. The show. <coughs> the first. Um. Zero through ten was recorded on the floor of my living room, and I want to go back to that because it's way more comfortable, and uh, all this equipment can basically sit wherever. Section of the Wall Street Journal for today, Friday, January twenty eighth, twenty twenty two, at a time of three thirteen p.m. But instead, I was looking through my stack of books, and I found what I think is a most entertaining pamphlet, um, illuminating pamphlet as well it's really about um it's from 19 it's literally a pamphlet it's about literally a pamphlet 10 folks. pages only 10 pages printed in 92 mm-hmm. get to the point on the 100th birthday of the last president of the Koreshian unity who was its member for a period of 50 years Oh, and I'm talking about Hedvig Michel. I think that's how you would say it. Either way, Hedvig was <clears throat> the last sort of controller of everything that was the Koreshian Unity, the organization that remained after Teed passed, and Teed being Cyrus Teed. Quote here on the back of this pamphlet: "Be ashamed to die until you have won some victory for humanity." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good one. If you're interested, the Koreshian Unity. You can Everyone should live by Unity that. Books, P.O. Box 97, Esther. Everyone should live by that code. Be afraid to die until you've lived for a good reason. Florida 33928. It's a $4 pamphlet written by Odeda Rosenthal. 
Hedwig Mikkel, the patron saint of the Crescent State Historic Site. This is uh, really fascinating, and the, the the more modern book written in 2015 by Lynn Milner is excellent, um, and it gives a, a, an up-to-date account. But I think that this is a fascinating yeah. account, because this is from, I mean, let's see. Yes, 1992, um, but a little bit closer to the events, I just think gives an inter- interesting perspective. And plus, it is completely out of print. It's just a little 10-page booklet. So I'd like to share it with you. I think it gives a good overview of why I find the entire story fascinating. No one could have guessed from her beginnings that Hedwig Mikkel would oversee the donation of the historic property of the Koreshian Unity to the state of Florida, and that so many people would come to enjoy it. The Koreshian State Historic Site in Estero, located in southwest Florida, midway between Fort Myers and Naples, would not exist without her visionary donation. And who would have imagined that she would be the last uh, Koreshian? What indeed is a Koreshian? Information about the history and philosophy of the Koreshian Unity a unique experiment in Christian living based on the, uh, a subject that I have several episodes on, by the way. Illumination uh, of Dr. Cyrus like T, the second one. who aimed to build a new Jerusalem in Estero in 1894, can be found in another booklet. We will tell you here that the idea was that the members would develop a place somewhat like heaven on earth. They would share work, share the products of the land, enjoy the arts, and use natural herbal and other medical ways to keep healthy they would be creative like the shakers and other celibate groups men would be separated from women and families that entered the koreshian unity with children would also live separately from them but all would be concerned about the welfare of each other till death would part them and women would have equal rights to with men 40 years before women in america managed to win the right to vote It's worth noting up above, um, but that's, a, that's all very accurate. Um, well, mostly. Mm, it's accurate enough for the time. Um, I will say the uh, book written in 2015 gives a way more enlightened view about the, the relationship between men and women in the unity. It wasn't terrible necessarily, but it was... Wow. Uh, more complex than described here, but I'll continue. Uh, I got to say, I think the podcast might have improved over time. Um, but I do highly suggest going back and uh, listening to as much of the old episodes as you, as you can stand. That episode was particularly dry because it was just a reading of one single text. But um, I do suggest going back and at least perusing all the previous items. Um, I would say that... Uh, they were all particularly interesting, um, but you'll find uh, around episode 13, I think that everything um, really came together. Here's a little uh, something that I remember now. Thank you.
Oh, by the way, director's note. This is uh, Radio uh, Rebel Day, uh, Havana, Cuba, off of my uh, shortwave. And please feel free to scrub through any and all of the podcasts. R- really. Even right now. Oh, wow. Okay. That wasn't me. That was in the recording. I must have dropped some papers. I like to create uh, an atmosphere before every episode, sort of, to kind of like ease you into the fact you're going to be listening to me talk for a long time. That's why, like, I've started putting music at the beginning and end of every episode, and in between, even sometimes. I feel like it serves a pretty important purpose that I didn't initially uh, get. Um, but production will improve greatly over time um, as larger in each other. As uh, time proceeds, I think that it will be easier and easier to um, make larger uh, improvements to production with uh, relative ease, I guess. Clean Mustang that Cruz gave him to match his own. His uniforms and business <laughs> right. suits thought, are fashioned by... Ri- I thought it would be funny to um, read over the radio because it was about Tom Cruise and Scientology, etc. The church provided an affidavit was it? a former Sea Org member. It was a year. Despite the frequent cost overruns on construction, Scientology has undertaken a worldwide building campaign, kicked off by Miscavige's decision to use the occasion of 9-11 to issue a call for a massive expansion of the church. Quote, Bluntly, we are the only people on Earth who can reverse the decline, he announced. The only way to do better is to get big. In some cases, the building projects have become significant moneymakers for the church. Across the street from Scientology's Fort Harrison Hotel in Clearwater is the Super Power Building, intended to be a training facility to enhance the perceptions of upper-level Thetans. The fundraising kicked off with a $1 million gift from the Feshbach Brothers. Oh, how about this? Despite- There's a little... I haven't used this yet. I made this for the show. Oh, oh. I made this for the show, but I haven't used it yet. Maybe I'm using it right now.
set off and strikes might harm if tampered with. Set off and strikes might harm if tampered with. Set off and strikes might harm if tampered with. Set off and strikes might harm if tampered with. Set off and strikes might harm if tampered with. Set off and strikes might harm if tampered with. Set off and strikes might harm if. Hello, and I'm the flavor of Brian Dawn. I'm the flavor of Kathy. <laughs> and uh, this is an as-yet-untitled podcast about the world of things that we wish we could explain about reality TV and the world of reality itself, uh, but have yet the vocabulary, have yet to gain the vocabulary to mm -hmm. explain. Um, yeah. And hopefully, if you ever tune to another episode of this podcast, the intro will be much smoother than that. It only gets um, better. Hello, Kathy. Hi, good afternoon. Yes, hello. And and um are we saying are we revealing our secret locations? Are we do we do people know generally where we are? I would well, I I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm in I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is a uh you know, kind of commonly understood through western movies and things of that sort and through tourist guides. So, I think for a lot of people it is also not a real place. I just want to add that um at this point in time, uh, we had um, only seen each other's faces and talked for about two minutes. It was incredible. Yes, unless you read the USA Today 50 State section, which is the one of two cities that they ever report out of Albuquerque or Santa Fe. <laughs> Apparently, to the rest of the country, those are the two that count. Um, That's my phone. And, uh, and I used to the live there. Uh, and also, but I am located in Florida now. And... Uh, in Cape Coral, the, uh, let's see, second out of four of the uh, communities in our area that are the uh, top five fastest growing communities in America, it's a gigantic mess of real estate um, scams and investments. <laughs> it's the capital and origin of all of that, actually. And we're picking it back up. Well, so we have you all to thank for that then. Yeah, you have us in 1950. I could tell you the whole story. Read the guy's biography. <laughs> Yeah, oh my really. God. it all started here. We live in, uh, okay, here in uh, sunny Cape Coral, Florida, we have over 50 miles of canals that were dug exclusively by giant caterpillar excavators. Mm, um, that's a good story. Some 10 to 15, 20 feet deep. True. Uh, it's the largest earth moving project at the time in the entire world. And a majority of caterpillars' uh, fleet of uh, excavating vehicles in the entire world released to the company that built Cape Coral in five years and dug all those canals. It's completely incredible and, and a forgotten wow. page in history, yes. Unbelievable. People came from around the world to drive those excavators because there wasn't enough people um, to man them. And uh, yeah, but <laughs> anyway. How well, yeah, so that. like, no, yeah, no, clearly. So like, I mean, that's fascinating to me, I think also just because of um, the way that like the image of Santa Fe and of New Mexico like was sold as like a like a Disneyland tourism <laughs> like it feels like they were selling yeah. like the the like Star Wars hotel that's what I was trying no, to think uh, of absolutely. right absolutely yeah and, and and this town was it was sold as like the vacation uh, real residential pair like uh, 
prototype paradise. It was the place where you could like go and build a house and then buy the property next door, the empty lot, and then like sell that to someone in the future because they basically guaranteed as it did come true. And that's why like all the books make sure to like say like, yeah, these people were total scam artists, but everything they said, just luckily enough, even after they were way out of the picture, everything ended up like working out for like the common person who like bought a home, their price went up, the ho the value of their home went up like, you know, 1500% by the time they ended up selling it, you know, 30 years later. So um, weird community, very weird community. Everything is very, very strange here because um, like no one works here. Like everyone who lives here works in another city. And so um, like, and most people who work here live somewhere else too. So it's one of those kinds of communities where like everyone's servicing each other's needs in a very uneven and bizarre way. Um, but mm. yeah, we know those. Uh, this, I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating to think of. I mean, I just, because it, it feels also like, I mean, having. find the one specifically that makes me laugh for a reason you'll understand in just a second Hello and welcome to Bunta Vista. It's a bonus episode and uh, speaking of bonuses this week we've got a special treat for you. Ah uh, yes that's right I'm Theo I'm the production manager here at the Cube Factory. That's right, whenever people need an example of the only type of regular hexahedron, <laughs> one of the go. five platonic solids, the wonderful, <laughs> incomparable... ...on the street and then... ...love to have any of y'all on the pod, but uh, here's where we're actually going right here. Once more... <laughs> Everyone at home will get this in just a second. Right. We're recording. If you're confused and you're still listening, you should not trust me by now. It's, it's delicious. You simply can't love it. About it. Okay. Welcome to Bunta Vista. This is a bonus episode. My name is Andrew, and I am the host of a podcast called Bunta Vista. It's an irreverent look at the news, big and small. <laughs> Mostly small. As we look into events around the world, be it what the wacky people of the Netherlands are up to, uh, which portal in the hollow earth Bigfoot is currently travelling through today, <laughs> uh, which kind of mysterious substances people are sticking their finger in on the street and then deciding whether or not they should taste it, and many other segments. You'll simply have to tune in to one of the hundreds of episodes we'll probably end up doing in order to find you out. Guys, listen, I'll be right back. Introducing for the very first time, uh, my co-host. He's a wonderful man. He's very funny. He's never been nervous in his life. And his name's Theo. Hi, Theo. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm great. I'm here hosting a podcast. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so excited to see what uh, what news and current events we have um, uh, to, to look at. But I hope we don't skimp on the lighter side of things. Mm-hmm. Don't want it to be too serious. Yeah. The news that makes you go, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. That could be a slogan for us. Oof. 
Punta Vista, things that make you go, hmm. Mm. And of mm. course, that voice that you're hearing right now is none other than the very first female host of a podcast. That's crazy. Hmm. We can do anything these days. Breaking down barriers and breaking hearts. Oh, you flatter me. <laughs> it's none other than our very own Lucy Valentine. Hi, Lucy. Hello, Andrew. How does, it feel to, how does it feel to be right here on what I am calling the cutting edge of media, the future of radio? It feels great. It's like a radio show, but it's not live. It's like a radio show, but you can pause it when you have to take a shit in case you feel uncomfortable doing that in front of the hosts. Yeah, yeah. which now, I hope Lucy, that you do. Mm. One of my many buzzing bees and oh, what stories they tell, <laughs> mm. tell me that, and oh, I hope our listeners can uh, can believe this, your dad wrote a porno. <laughs> I try not crazy. to tell too many people about it, but it <laughs> just keeps coming up. That is a crazy thing to say. <laughs> now, that would be wild. That would be, be insane. Wild. That would be so crazy. Uh, actually, if my if I found out my dad wrote a porno, I would fucking freak out. Because that would be <laughs> yeah, so out of character negative. for him. <laughs> he's a really sex negative guy. <laughs> I don't want to say that he's sex negative. I want to say that he's extreme. No, no, are you sex negative? I'll reading me. your father's porno and going, Yuck. I th I think it would just be the shock of finding yeah. out that it had happened. Um, I I consider my father like uh, thoroughly publicly sex neutral. Yeah, you know, just um, smooth granite from the belly button down to the <laughs> mid leg. Yeah, and that's uh, probably because he believes a lesson that I never learned and never internalized, and probably should have, which is. That it's simply nobody else's business. Yeah. Um, you know? And this is the first episode of the podcast, but I assume, Andrew, we'll be learning a little thing or two about what goes on in your sex life. <laughs> uh, yes. I will be describing the intercourse that I have with my wife. Um, Quite frequently and in some detail. Lot of detail. Too much detail. People will be writing in to ask me to stop. They will say things like, I muted the episode because I was so uncomfortable. And then as I was sitting in silence in my car, 30 minutes later, I remembered that, you know, I had had something on the radio prior and then they'll turn the sound back on and I will be right there still with it, you know? Yeah. I'll be describing sex like... Um, uh, you know when they do those movies where they're like, oh, this whole thing is one shot or yeah. or this whole movie is happening in real time, you know, minute by minute, so you're right there with the characters. That's how I'm going to describe all of my sex to you, the listener. I'm going to pretend to be really sex negative all the time whenever the topic of sex comes up to yeah, uh, throw our listeners off the scent that. of <laughs> me being in any way a freak. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess we're going to reestablish ourselves as a sex-negative podcast, and mm. when we do eventually introduce a fourth mic, he will mm. be named Ben, and he'll be the horniest guy anyone's ever yeah. seen. Damn, that guy is horny. Crazy horny. Wild Everyone, horny. Uh, survived all the skulls. A little uncomfortable around him. Big I was talking about it. 22 hours a day. Constant. Kind of threatening the way he lords that thing over me. And you know, sometimes I get threatening vibes when I look at the news and I see frightening things coming on the horizon. Dark, stormy clouds that could only mean one thing. 
omens and portents. You shall see hail fall from a clear sky and burn as fire upon the ground. You shall see darkness cover Egypt when the sun climbs high to noon. And you shall know that God is God and bow down to his will. Just uh, open a can, had it explode. Hmm. Oh. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> nice. I choose to blame wife of the show, my wife, Eleanor. For buying, let me see what it's called here. What is it? It's a can of Moondog Fizzer. Oh, it's right there in the name, isn't it? It's alcoholic it's seltzer. It's good. Peach iced tea. Alcoholic bubbly water with bursts of peach and oh. black tea. Now, I was going to ask why that beer came in a gay little can. Well, there's your answer right there. Uh, you know, I have articles of my own today, why maybe. Was it we'll so see. Shaken up. Andrew, was it because you went to get some stuff out of the fridge earlier and you knocked one of the cans out onto the floor and then said, fuck, fucking, it's too much stuff in the fridge. And then just picked the can up and put it back in with all the other cans, maybe inadvertently pulling it out for yourself later on? Who could know? Who could say? One of the great mysteries of our age, I think. This comes to us from WBBH News. Anybody, anyone think of a fun acronym for what that might stand for? Big, beautiful women. <laughs> women with big, beautiful honkers? Mm. 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 Now, we're now we're talking. Now we're talking. Mm. Everybody close your eyes. I think there's Pitch a market for, for that. <laughs> well, I have our Fantasia, so. Oh, oh. You, can't, you can picture it or you can't? I can't. Which one is that? Oh, no. You can't conjure up two big heaving naturals in the I mind. can. I can kind of do the wireframe, but I can't texture it. Okay. No depth. I see no, that's a problem. No depth. Because when you're talking about big natties, it's what you're after, really. Grand model. Yeah. Uh, from Women with Big Beautiful Honkers News, Florida, Cape Corral kayaker mm. finds message in a bottle with man's it all makes ashes sense on now. the water. It all makes sense now. So what was the message? I am dead. <laughs> <laughs> I am in the bottle. <laughs> uh, I really if you're like... reading this, I am ashes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're reading this, the flesh fell off. Uh, I do like how this first sentence is written. It lets you know that this is a fun story. Okay? It does. <laughs> it's fun already. A Cape Coral man on, on a Sunday kayaking trip with friends picked up something unexpected during his trip. An urn. I mean, they've crazy. You know, it's got a little exclamation mark. You know, yeah. we're about to have fun. This yeah. isn't a somber story. They got jaunty punctuation yeah. and everything for this. Uh, I don't let you use the exclamation mark when you work for the AP. That's one of the downsides. No, that's true. It, I think if you went from like um, working at the AP or the New York Times or something, and then uh, let's say a story went wrong, or or you had the like. Um, uh, a million little pieces thing where it turned out you'd just been hanging out in your apartment and making up all the stories and then you got busted down to like Zoo Magazine or FHM yeah. or Nuts it would have to be really freeing to be able to use as many exclamation marks as you wanted all through the whole article to me that's not a step down but yeah. I appreciate the culture yeah it's uh, really letting the caged bird free you know <laughs> Soaring on the mighty wings 
of saying, Nox! Exclamation, exclamation. The man found the bottle containing ashes, along with a note in Four Mile Cove in Cape Coral. Now he's hoping to find the man's family. Probably to say, hey, this is gross. <laughs> yeah. Why did you throw this in... in... Why'd you do that? That's kind of funny. Well, it's a little bit funny. Why'd you throw this into Anal Cove, you know? Quote, it was just kind of intertwined with the mangroves. Kind of looked like junk, said Jeff Zimmerman, who found a discarded bottle while kayaking. Kayaking. Initially, he thought it was trash and grabbed it in an attempt to help clean up. Now, that's, that's good behavior. Yeah, it's good, good behavior. Good, good I like behavior. That. I like Self-reported, that. I like it's though. Mm. It's true. You never know. Oh, I'm always picking up rubbish in the mangroves. I picked so. it up because I was going to put it in the bin. <laughs> yeah, not because I wanted to eat some ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Said Jeff, like a little brown nose. It's in there. But on Sunday... The bottle he found hung up in the mangroves with a happy birthday balloon. <laughs> this just gets sillier and sillier. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to link the two of <laughs> It was much more than trash. It was someone's remains. Immediately, we realized that this is someone's internment vessel, Aha. he said. No one says that. Is it an I... urn or just a bottle? So like, like someone just dumped an urn in the ocean? The happy birthday balloon kind of makes me think of like those, um, you know, those roadside memorials. Hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think about those? Yeah. Like you, you can't tell someone that they're grieving wrong, but if you were to say it in the privacy of a podcast. You would say that they're grieving wrong. Keeping in mind that, that this is wrong. freemium freebury. <gasps> Putting it all out there oh, publicly. See, this oh, is no, a man. Free, I come from Makaya. That's this that's is a like free a bread and butter episode, up there? which means <sighs> it, it, I'm actually like, in the clear to um, use it. That's fantastic. Uh, like a, a can or something. It's um, it's, it's almost spiritual there. There's I don't a, like it. Plus Bro, don't of, make plus, me think about the fragility of life. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Because uh, recently, um, I was. I was traveling uh, down like a main road near our place and there there had been like a roadside memorial thing there occasionally by this tree. And then one day it had been replaced with a really big one uh, that was like seven years since you have been gone. <laughs> and it kept going, you know, like the writing on the guy's big hand in the Simpsons. Mm. And of course you're driving at 80 kilometers an hour. Yeah. You cannot get through the whole message in time. It's just a very, it's a very strange oh, thing to me, but fuck. I guess that's a, I guess that's a very like white Westerner thing of being like, oh, how strange to grieve publicly. But when I think of that sort of thing, I'm thinking of like, uh, people at funerals who are like shrieking and wailing and like, you know, throwing themselves across the casket and stuff, which is like a, a very different way of expressing your grief to us here. The roadside memorial thing is like, oh, like uh, my grieving can happen while I'm not there. It's sort of getting like a timeshare. <laughs> this on grieving there. offline. Just like the location where someone died too is just a. Yeah. I don't know. It's pulling away some of the magic of grieving for me. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's the association with like it was right here. Yeah. Whereas, like, um, you know, the the classic 
grieving. Uh, graveside grieving is like I'm here with you, uh, grieving the loss of you. Mm. Uh, whereas, like the whole sort of going out and sticking something to the the tree no, that someone crashed into when they. I reckon we should dying? do more of it. I reckon if you die in like a forklift accident in a warehouse, you should have to put a like a gravestone down there and in the forklift. And every yeah, and now you get to go a... down once a year, put some stuff on the forklift. Yeah, and the guys just obstacle. have to keep driving it around. <laughs> Out of oh. respect, though. Out of respect. Everybody's got to wear black high vis uh, for the rest of the month, you know. Yeah, I don't know. What are we doing again? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. It's like funny urn. urn in a swamp. If someone like found my urn in a swamp <laughs> and brought it back, I mean, if it wasn't dead, them? I'd be so pissed off. You do a little light haunting. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, Ooh, I was enjoying being in the swamp. If I didn't want to be in the swamp, I wouldn't be in the swamp. Well, that's exactly know. right. I can't wait to do some Let haunting. Let the dead rest. Do you think um? What kind of haunting? What kind of haunting vibe do you think you're going to be on, Lucy? Just like a just a trickster haunting vibe, you know, like a, a just vi- Ashton Kutcher punked kind of vibe, like just doing silly stuff, just knocking stuff over and like shaking the curtains around and stuff. Yeah, just stuff like that for fun, okay. that just just slowly eroding away someone's sense of uh, safety in like reality. Like the TV's like flickering off, and yeah, just every a so bit often of that. you're in the background in the curtain sort of thing. Yeah. But I'm doing silly stuff. Like yeah. I'm I'm doing a little jazzy dance or something. <laughs> you know? I'll be like, oh, the the chandelier's flickering and shaking around, but you're one floor above there, like doing the Charleston really hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be haunted by Johnny Knoxville. That'd be great. He's just like <laughs> swinging a sledgehammer around and hey. 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 You Takes wi- a big big uh wind up, smashes himself in his little ghostly nuts. <laughs> oh man, I was reading about the nice. uh about the failed stunt where he broke his penis the other day. Yeah. Yeah, it was like trying to trying to backflip a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. And it just like landed directly on uh-huh. his dick. Pretty Which cool. is not what not what you want, I think. No one wants. Think, no like, one wants urethra training. They're <laughs> like, you're gonna to want to land on the dick. Yes. Take all the weight or right on your dick. It's I, the um, safest way to land, bro. I watched the first episode or two of a show that I hadn't heard of uh, called Ghosts. That's a, a BBC show about a, a young couple who like anyway. inherits a big manor out in the English countryside, um, which is inhabited by. Victorian off. Yeah, it's oh. out of LMFAO. Eyes like few thing. Hollow yeah. it out. A hollowed out PlayStation Four. Chuck your ashes, ashes in. in. Someone's internment vessel. I don't think anyone has ever been through your house late at night. You walk through the hallway and everything's dark and just hear the sweet sound oh. of LMFAO. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you, you hear that. You hear the haunting sound of a child singing a Fallout Boy song. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> We gotta get out of here <laughs> Playing music from the old times <laughs> Oh So this guy realised that he had picked up Someone's internment vessel I don't think anyone has ever said those two words mm. together before um, there we go. 
maybe someone who organizes like funeral conventions that's the only person who's ever saying internment yeah, like vessel. on the session time or whatever yep. it's uh oh the latest in internment vessel technology you know yeah a jar Inside the poorly sealed plastic bottle, again, that doesn't really say internment vessel to me. That says, like, two-liter Coke bottle. Yeah. Yeah, that's... At least chill out for, like, a PlayStation 4 or something. <laughs> hollow yeah. it out. A hollowed out, out PlayStation 4. Chuck your ashes, ashes in there. Dump in the ocean. Um, I wonder what kind of funnel they use to get them into the bottle, you know? When I'm putting stuff back into a bottle, I need that funnel. You just gotta, you just gotta pour it from the um correct, the correct height. You you think you're freestyle pouring ashes into a two liter coke oh, bottle? Oh, for sure. If you're yeah. good at pouring, yeah, I think they know what they're doing. All right, you I get reckon some, they've like, done this before. Some like TikTok hacks where you put the two mm. bits of tape over the big bucket that you're going for. It kind of makes a little little funnel. Mm-hmm. Once you're done, you just whip them off. Along with the ashes was a note. Quote, it was a note from someone's family member. He really loved the water. His birthday was recently. Please return him to the water. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why this is a story. I like why are you trying to find the family? Put him back in the fucking water. Put him back in the water. That's why he had his little birthday balloon. That's cute. The note should have said Mind your own business. Exactly. You know? I love the ocean. When I die, please turn me into litter. I like. <laughs> Please let me kill a fish with my death. <laughs> Put one of those really, pain rings around me. Yeah, I really like that they haven't just scattered his ashes into the ocean, which is the yeah. normal normal yeah. thing to do with someone who loves the ocean. Let me, you know. Now that we're talking about, this. instead it's like, what if we put you in some plastic and chucked you in there to bob around? Yeah, my my son really loved electronics, so we've thrown him in the water with a big old car battery. God damn. It said the man's birthday was on February the 5th and that he had died of lung cancer. But instead of putting the bottle back where it would become waterlogged, he kept it. Come on, man. My friends and I put this bottle in our kayaks. He continued on our journey with us throughout the day, Zimmerman said. Now Zimmerman is hoping the fan's family reaches out in the hopes of helping give the man a more permanent vessel. Just fucking do it yourself. You don't... Like... How how hard is it to just go and get a better bottle, get a nice airtight bottle, seal up the fucking, like, get a bit of sealant or glue or whatever, seal up the neck of the thing, toss him back out there, go on your way. I feel like he wants to make this about him. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Your brother went on a kayaking trip with us. He went with a couple of guys from Cape Coral, and we'd like to preserve this and let other people adventure with him. Is going to pass awesome. him around? Can you just mm. pass this guy around? Put him back on the balloon, bro. I would hate that. I would hate hearing that after I died, I went on a kayaking trip with some a couple of guys from Cape Coral. I would have hated that. Two guys named Chad and Vincent. Mm. You know, and you got to cruise around with them. They spend the whole time talking about how sad it is that uh, Tom Brady retired. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yep. You've got to just listen to it the whole time. Got to listen to them say they're going to crack open a couple of brewskis. <laughs> oh, hand me another Miller Light. Mm. They would say. They would. Uh, look, the man wanted to be 
in nature, you know? Don't we all? Be, want to be in nature where he belongs. Go back to the mothership. That's right. Go back to Mother Nature. That's Get right. back inside the earth. Uh, I personally would like to be turned into ashes and then just kind of chucked wherever. <laughs> yeah. Really matter? I wouldn't really care. Like, like the wind's going to blow no matter where you're being thrown, right? I got to say, it would be so funny if someone... You know what? Based off this thought, I'm revising my claims. I'm going to put it in my will that I would like to be... Uh, like I would like my ashes to be scattered from like a high clifftop. Because I think it would be very funny for someone from your family to tip the ashes out and for the wind to immediately kick it right back into oh, the Oh, that face. happens. That's what happens when we scattered my granddad's ashes oh, off a cliff no. at the beach. I thought Not that was to a... me personally. I it happened that was to my just mom. just a thing that happened to, in like fucking... <gasps> Oh, oh, it Rogan absolutely does. Or whatever. It absolutely does. Imagine getting a little taste of it. No. Mm. Oh boy. Part of, I mean, part of that's his prostate. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> On a statistical level. Some of those, some of those ashes belong to his balls. <laughs> the micros- yeah, on a microscopic level, the, the, the yeah. tiniest bit of that was foreskin. Oh, yeah, a small <laughs> amount is desiccated. <laughs> Granddad come and <laughs> you never know whose granddad's come is out there because someone could have just scattered ashes yeah. at any time, I, I mean, any like, place, any I, beach. You're I've at. got like three or four atoms in me that is Julius Caesar's come, for mm. example. You might, yeah. Just walking. If you're ever walking around like I near a cliff it. at the beach and you think, "Oh, my hay fever is really acting up," you probably you know what's happened to you. You've inhaled a little bit of dead man's come. That's what happened. We should have more fun with this, to be perfectly honest. We should die and then just, like, I don't know, strap, like, get a whole bunch of the recently departed and strap them on the sides and front and back of, like, demolition derby cars. Ooh. Yeah. And just go wild. like Blast them out like that colourful smoke that they have at the yeah. bloody summer nights or whatever. Yeah. They get if, like um, a funny car to do a big burnout on my head. I don't give yeah. a shit. I'm dead. What about getting a, a really big fireworks display done? And you know how like yes, you know how a, a coordinated fireworks display will like build to a crescendo with like <laughs> the, they save the big one for the end. Like Hunter S. Thompson. Take out a little bit of that gunpowder. Pop me in there. Yep. Poof, vaporized over the crowd. You know. Yeah. Now that's beautiful. Uh, that would be a true return. To nature, yeah, being spread around everywhere, and so perhaps we should check in on a little segment we like to call <laughs> Nature Corner. Amazing. Uh, just to be clear, we like to call the segment Nature Corner because that is the name of the segment. Exactly. I agree. This week, <laughs> Nature Corner. So that's Nature Corner. Uh, let's see. This is uh, David E. Dodrill's book, Selling the Dream, the Gulf American Corporation and the Building of Cape Coral, Florida. Chapter 8, Growing Pains. Uh, it's page 135, I'm going to guess. 
1964 to 1967. Dramatic growth characterized the Gulf American Land Corporation from 1964 to 1967. Turn up the gain. There's gain. Okay. During these years, the company showed its most pronounced increase in sales, reaching a peak in 1966. Even more remarkable was the rapid development of Cape Coral and Golden Gate, both in population and in construction. At Cape Coral, as well as at other Gulf American properties, development was critical to the credibility and the company in the eyes of the buying public. Therefore, the Rosens, who I mentioned before in the previous podcast, if you go back and listen, stressed construction along with sales during those years. Sales volumes increased rapidly from 94 million, well, let's say 94.3 million in August 1964 to a high point of 143.8 million in August 1966. That's two years, about 50% growth. Although the total dropped off to 131.3 million by 1967. Still, by those dollars, you're still talking about billions of dollars in sales by today's numbers. Sales figures placed Gulf American at the top of all land development companies in the nation during the mid-1960s. Yes, that is all land development companies. So essentially when the, what was being developed here at the time really was the Los Angeles of it will be. I still make this claim boldly and without any reservations that Southwest Florida at its around 2.5 million people these days, its giant collection of suburbs disjointedly connected by uh, poorly... Uh, planned out traffic infrastructure in badly zoned areas and largely under weirdly developed and underdeveloped in many different respects. Anyway, you're talking about essentially West Coast 2, Hollywood 2. I mean, all these things are coming to our town, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Sales volumes increased rapidly from, uh, yeah, although by 1967, it had all topped out. Etc. It was the top company in the country. Gulf American had sold a total of 55,000 home sites at Cape Coral as of February 1964 to residents of the United States, Canada, and 14 other countries. Which, of course, I mentioned before. Um, I believe it was uh, Marco's wife came over here to spend a bunch of his stolen cash on properties, especially out uh, on the river. Um, by July 1st, 1967, salespeople at the community had written more than 92,000 land contracts for customers in all 50 states and in 58 foreign countries. Based on an average of three and one-half home sites per acre, 92,000 lots represented approximately 50% of all available home sites at Cape Coral. Right, the ones that still currently stand today, about the ones that I live on. Although mine might be one and a half, I'm not sure. As Leonard Rosen confidently restated, the company's sales totals in 1967 were selling $750,000 worth of land a day and were collecting on those sales at a rate of $280,000 a day. Incredible. Gulf Americans' sales increases also resulted in a complete change in the relationship between the largest of Florida's land development companies. In 1959, General Development Corporation was headed by Louis Chesler, in association with the Mackle Brothers of Miami. During that year, their corporation sold 49,933 home sites in eight Florida communities for a total sales revenue of $67 million. For the same period, Gulf American recorded approximately $20 million in sales at its only development, Cape Coral. 
Within six years, however, Gulf American's aggressive sales approach began to dominate the market. The company recorded sales of $104 million for 1965, nearly twice the combined total of the next two competitors, General Development and Deltona Corporation. It's incredible. It's mind-blowing. For the same year, General Development, uh, without the Mackle Brothers since 1962, showed total sales of only $29.4 million. Deltona sold $15.6 million in home sites and houses in 1965, while participating in $14.4 million in revenue from a half-owned affiliate in Marco Island, Florida, near Naples. In addition to its clear lead over other land companies, Gulf American ranked sixth in 1965 among all publicly held Florida-based corporations as determined by sales, net income, and assets. Ranked ahead of it were Southern Bell Telephone, Florida Power and Light, Atlantic Coastline, Winn-Dixie Stores, and Florida Power Company. As Gulf American sales rose from 1964 to 1967, Cape Coral showed dramatic growth during the same period. By late 1963, Cape Coral had grown to a community of 200, uh, excuse me, 2,850 people. Scattered throughout the southeastern part of the city were 1,100 completed homes and business establishments, with more than 200 others under construction. The population increased rapidly, so that, by August 1964, the community boasted 3,825 residents, 817 of whom were children. Construction had been completed or was proceeding on a total of 1,722 buildings. Home site owners continued to move to the city, and in August 1967, Gulf American recorded a total of 80... 300 permanent residents. The number of children in the community had more than doubled to just over 2,000. The number of structures, including residential, multifamily, and business, nearly doubled in three years to a mid-1967 total of 3,000, a little over 3,000, with another 182 under construction. By comparison, General Development's main project, Port Charlotte, just north of us, grew much faster to 14,000 residents in 1966 because of general developments and emphasis on housing over land sales. Gulf American continued to pursue the transformation of raw acreage at Cape Coral. Gulf American is the company that head up the development of this entire area, Cape Coral and a couple other communities, into uh, saleable home sites. Under the direction of resident engineer Thomas Weber, the company had completed the building of roads, canals, and home sites on 3,500 acres by November 1963, with 4,000 acres in various stages of development, 53,500 acres remained undisturbed. Weber disclosed in 1963 that the company had spent $4.36 million on development during the year and a total of $9.7 million since the company's beginning in 1957. He estimated that $83 million would be required to complete the entire system of roads, waterways, and site preparations. 90 miles of pavement roads had been finished in the city along with 70 miles of canals 70 miles of canals so i had been underquoting it actually 50 miles of canals so over 70 miles of canals in november 1963 gulf american employed 357 workers at cape coral in road and canal construction and used heavy machinery valued at 3.5 million dollars which at the time was gigantic and we were the largest contractor of um, Caterpillar's hardware at the time. It says that in another one of the books. Maybe even this one in a different section. During the following four years, Gulf America nearly tripled the finished area of Cape Coral to 9,549 acres. In July 1967, the company's construction subsidiary, Fort Myers Construction Company, had compiled a total of 229 miles of paved roads and 95 miles of waterways. An additional 68 miles of roads and 22 miles of canals 
That brings us up to over 100 miles of canals now in our city. Uh, were under construction. The vast majority of Cape Coral's 61,000 acres were yet untouched by Gulf America. However, though the company emphasized that work was being accomplished through regular release of information and updated aerial photographs of the city and brochures and advertisements. Um, right. Yeah. So mostly untouched. Still to this day, a lot of the city is completely, completely undeveloped. During Cape Coral's early history, the Rosen's foremost goal was to increase the company's sales volume. In order to persuade people to buy home sites, however, the brothers soon realized that it would be necessary to start a viable city with many of the normal community services. If customers also did not find a city built with quality construction, no amount of aggressive marketing would convince them to buy. Early in the city's history, Leonard Rosen settled the issue of quality control, uh, a quality road construction in a meeting at Cape Coral with Kenneth Schwartz and a city or a county official. He emphasized to Schwartz that all roads were to be built at or above county specifications. Associates attributed Rosen's action to his far-sighted thinking. Unsure of how fast the project would sell, he wanted roads, as well as other improvements, to be acceptable to the public years into the future. As he later stated, everything we did, we tried to do in very fine ways. And I will read one more paragraph here. A major objection for many early visitors to Cape Coral was the community's relative remoteness to larger communities. The distance from Cape Coral Parkway to the nearest shopping center in North Fort Myers and Fort Myers uh, was nearly 20 to 25 miles each way by road. At some point during the development's first year, Leonard became convinced that a bridge across the Caloosahatchee River to Fort Myers was necessary for the community's growth. According to Kenneth Schwartz, Leonard was motivated not only by a desire to increase the flow of customers into Cape Coral, but also to make sure access to Fort Myers was easier for the community's residents. At the time, in Lee County, the only bridge across the river at Fort Myers was the two-lane Edison Bridge, which had been completed in October 1930. The span connected Business Route 41 in North Fort Myers with Fowler Street on the South Bank. For many of the people who knew the situation, Leonard was the driving force behind the building of the Cape Coral Bridge. Connie Mack Jr., uh, son of famous baseball player, doubted that the bridge would have been constructed without Leonard's single-minded determination. Schwartz viewed the bridge as a typical case of Leonard's power to achieve an objective. Describing Leonard's determination on the issue, he said, He was a guy who would not allow any opposition to stand in his way. I always felt that the Leonard Rosen... I always felt that Leonard Rosen could have put us on the moon five years earlier than we ultimately got there. As early as 1959, Leonard sponsored a bridge feasibility study by Raider and Associates of Miami to determine the best location. The report concentrated on two sites, Site C connecting Everest Parkway and Cape Coral to Colonial Boulevard in Fort Myers, and Site B connecting Cape Coral Parkway with the Braden Stuffin Road in South Fort Myers. Braden Sutphin Road. The cost of constructing that span of Site B was estimated by the engineering firm at $1.3 million. Holy shit. While the more northerly Site C was estimated at $2.5 million. Because of the lower cost of its proximity to Cape Coral's initial growth area in 1959 and 1960, Leonard recommended Site B as the best location. Privately pledging to associates to pay for the entire project if the county would not, he began the task of acquiring the rights of way for the bridge. Inset photo of the bridge 
the bridge changed Cape Coral forever. That's when we cut it off. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, something. Uh, it's a little bit of our history there. The canals are extensive, and apparently people have no problem uh, dropping uh, ashes in them. One more little uh, fun story before we go. Carlos Ghost and Probe focuses on an alleged money loot. This is from. Uh, April 23rd, Wall Street Journal. Paris by Nick Kostov. In issuing arrest warrants for Carlos Gosen and four others, French prosecutors have zeroed in on around 15 million euros, equivalent to 16.2 million of bonus payments from automaker Renault SA to an Omani dealership that they suspect ended up in companies controlled by Mr. Gosen and his family, according to people familiar with the matter. The arrest warrants issued Thursday are the latest twist in a years-long saga that began in November 2018, when Japanese police arrested Mr. Gosen, then leading both Renault and its car-building alliance partner, Nissan Motor Company. Japanese prosecutors initially accused him of underreporting his pay, before also charging him with more serious financial crimes. Mr. Gosen has denied any wrongdoing and fled Japan in December 2019, hidden in a music equipment box ahead of a planned criminal trial. He remains a fugitive in Lebanon. French investigators opened their own probe into his time at Renault. The bonus payments from the French car maker to the Omani company were made between 2012 and 2017, the people said, when Mr. Gosen, the Renault CEO, uh, the, then was Renault's CEO. Most of the payments were made through Renault's so-called CEO Reserve, a budget line set up by Mr. Gosen at the French car maker to fast-track payments and get around budget delays. French prosecutors believe these payments transited through the Omani dealership and were then used by Mr. Gosen to buy a 120-foot yacht and then make investments benefiting him and his family in 2019. Family. In 2019, Japanese prosecutors filed charges against Mr. Gosen for what they said was a parallel scheme involving bonus payments from Renault's partner, Nissan. It is common for car makers to provide dealerships with incentive payouts, but Renault at this time was usually uh, it was usually done through other channels. People familiar with the matter said the Umani dealership was the only distributor to ever receive a bonus from Renault's CEO reserve. They said. Jean Tomalet, a lawyer at King and Spalding LLP, who represents Mr. Gosen, said the arrest warrant was surprising since Mr. Gosen had always cooperated with French with the French probe. Mr. Gosen has previously said the payments were legitimate dealer incentives. Renault said it, quote, took note of the decision from prosecutors to issue arrest warrants. This is a major step, said Kami Harry, a lawyer at Quinn Emmanuel Urquhart and Sullivan LLP, who represents Renault. The carmaker is a legal party to the case and is seeking uh, compensation for Mr. Gosen. An attorney for Suhail Bawan, who owns the Omani car dealership at, that is at the center of the probe and who was also the target of an arrest warrant from the French prosecutors Thursday, said his client, quote, formally denies having taken part in any way whatsoever the offenses targeted by the arrest warrant. Prosecutors in both France and Japan have long seen the allegations related to Oman as the most serious against Mr. Gosen, but investigations have proved complex. In trying to find evidence of an alleged money loop between Renault, the dealership in Oman, and Mr. Gosen, French investigators have sought the cooperation from several other jurisdictions, including Oman, Switzerland, and Lebanon, with varying degrees of success, people familiar with the matter said. 
French prosecutors would usually file charges at this stage. However, this has yet to be done when the target of charges is on French soil, and Mr. Gosen won't leave Lebanon. The French investigating magistrate ordered Mr. Gosen to appear in court in Nanterre, west of Paris, in December, but he failed to show. Uh, of course. Now, French investigators could theoretically pass their findings on to a, uh, to a court to try the case. Um, Japan doesn't do trials in absentia, but France does. While Mr. Gosen hasn't ruled out coming to France for trial in the future, there is little the French authorities can do to get him in front of a court at this stage. Mr. Gosen is a Lebanese national, and Lebanon doesn't extradite its citizens. Lebanese authorities have suggested French prosecutors send their findings to them so Mr. Gosen can be tried there, but the French have declined to do so. The filing of arrest warrants caps an almost three-year probe in which French investigators have interviewed witnesses, raided private appointments, and even private apartments, and even wiretapped one of Mr. Gosen's close associates. In 2019, Japanese authorities requested assistance from French prosecutors in investigating whether Mr. Gosen funneled millions of dollars of company funds through a distributor for Nissan and Renault in Oman. Key to the French investigation was evidence obtained from a hard drive that lawyers are working for Nissan collected from Lebanon on the day of Mr. Gosen's arrest in 2018, according to the people familiar with the matter. The hard drive, which Mr. Gosen said he considers stolen property, contained emails and other documents that once belonged to Mr. Gosen's late personal lawyer, Fatty Gibran, according to people familiar with the matter. Incredible. Ah, here's the last thing. Short and sweet. Ads muscle into gaming. An ad for Cap'n Crunch appears in the game Gravity Rider Zero and a uh, in-game mobile ad revenue increases 34% to $5.49 billion in 2021. Market is growing, but faces some challenges with measurement, labeling, and placement. This is by Katie Dighton. Last thing I promise. Money is flowing into companies looking for uh, looking to turn the video games into a marketing platform that can compete with television commercials and online ads. Venture capital firms Elefund and DIP Capital, as well as companies such as Comcast Corp's NBC Universal and consumer and electronics firm HTC Corp, are investing in a technology that allows advertisers to insert their brands directly into the gameplay of popular titles. Ad agency holding companies, including Publicist Group SA and Dentsu Group, meanwhile last year introduced specialist gaming divisions to help marketers figure out exactly where they can fit into the video game landscape. Proponents of in-game advertising still need to clear significant hurdles, including murkiness around when an ad is viewable to players and how ads are appropriately marked in a medium where they can blend with gameplay. An advocacy group, excuse me, an advocacy group this week accused Robox, I'm hiccuping, I'm gonna take a break here, one sec. Oh. An advocacy group this week accused Roblox Corp's online gaming platform of deceiving players partly by failing to clearly distinguish marketers' promotional advert games from regular gameplay. Roblox has failed to establish any meaningful guardrails to ensure compliance with truth and advertising laws. Truth and Advertising Laws, Inc. Excuse me? Truth and Advertising, Inc. wrote in, God, in a complaint to the Federal Trade Commission urging an investigation. Roblox said it has strict guidelines for promotions and ads in its platform, but the 
<laughs> I'm just gonna have to quit. These are terrible. And I've been going for an hour 37. That's enough. I'll come back to that. I promise. Plenty more to come. Wow. What an episode. <laughs> Killed by a tremendous case of the hiccups here. Uh, but uh, why don't we go out just a little bit? Oh, what would be the right thing to go out? Oh, God. Just, I have to stop you listening to that. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. One sec. Do this. And then, oh. Hang in there, folks. <laughs> well, this is what you're going to get now. So everyone enjoy. Uh, peace out. And, oh, God, here's where I am in uh, UAD. Personality. Okay. Probably not a great... You for you yes, but maybe for driving no. That's what I mean for driving. I mean, it's um, done me, done loads of good for me in my life. But you exhort, but. you exude warmth and creativity. You want that in a driver. Okay. You want a driver to exude creative warmth. driving, creative warmth, hot driving, warm creative driving. <laughs> oh wait a minute, you want to stand out. You don't want that in a driver. You want to <laughs> blend. I guess maybe it. you do because you want everyone to see you. I'm and here. Indicate what you're doing. Yes, the light is red and I am in the intersection. But do you see me? <laughs> My long hair. Let me take my hair down. Let me do this. Wait a minute. Uh, you're loving. You're creative. This is more about you as a person, less about you as a driver. Yes. You're interested in luxury. Yeah. Well, yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that part. Vehicles. Yeah, luxurious <laughs> yes. vehicles. Clothing while wearing, while in the vehicle. Uh, so, okay. The worst it drivers? surprises me. The, 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 Leos, the Leos are the best drivers. The best drivers. You know the worst fucking drivers are? Garbage drivers? Uh, Scorpios? Uh, Aries. Stubborn. March, is that tr March 21st to April 19th? Aries. Think. Are you willing to sacrifice your life? Bitch, I'm a monster, no good blood sucker. Fat motherfucker, now look who's in trouble. As you run through my jungles, all you hear is rumbles. Kanye West samples, here's one for example. Gossip, gossip, nigga, just stop it. Everybody know I'm a motherfucking monster. I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert. I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert. Profit, profit, nigga, I get it. Everybody know I'm a motherfucking monster. I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert. I'ma need to see your fucking hands. Best living or dead, hands down, huh? Let's talk more here right now, huh? And my eyes more red.
call it Malibu, yeah. Goddamn, easy, I would hit him with a new style. Know that motherfucker, well, what you gonna do now? Whatever I wanna do, gosh, it's cool now. Now I'm gonna do my new now. Think you motherfucker really, really need to cool out. Cause you'll never get on top of this. So mommy best advice is just to get on top of this. Have you ever had sex with a pharaoh? I put the pussy in a sarcophagus. Now she claiming that I bruise her esophagus. Head of the class and she just want a scholarship. I'm living in the future so the presence is my past. My presence is a present, kiss my ass. Gossip, gossip, nigga just stop it. Everybody know I'm a motherfucking monster. I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert. I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert. Profit, profit, nigga, I get it. Everybody know I'm a motherfucking monster. I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert. I'ma need to see your fucking hands. Sasquatch, Godzilla, King Kong, Loch Ness, Goblin, Ghoul, a zombie with no conscience. Question, what do these things all have in common? Everybody knows I'm a motherfucking monster. Conquer, stop your, stop your silly nonsense. Nonsense, none of you niggas know where the swamp is. None of you niggas have seen the carnage that I've seen. I still hear fiends scream in my dreams. Murder, murder, and black convertibles. I kill a block, I murder the avenues. I rape and pillage of village women and children. Everybody want to know what my Achilles heel is. Love. I don't get enough of it. All I get is these vampires and bloodsuckers. All I see is these niggas I made millionaires. Milling about, spilling their feelings in the air. All I see is these fake fucks with no fangs. Trying to draw blood from my ice cold veins. I smell a massacre. Seems to be the only way to back you back. Gossip, gossip, nigga, just stop it. Everybody know I'm a motherfucking monster. I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert. I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert. Profit, profit, nigga, I get it. Everybody know I'm a motherfucking monster. I'ma need to see your fucking hands at the concert. I'ma need to see your fucking hands. Pull up in a monster automobile gangster with a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. Yeah, I'm in a tanga, color a Willy Wonka. You could be the king, but watch the queen conquer. Okay, first things first, I'll eat your brain. Then I'ma start rocking gold teeth and fame. Cause that's what a motherfucking monster do. He a dresser from Milan, that's the monster do. Monster just a be heel, that's the monster show. Young money is the roster and a monster crow. And I'm all up, all up, all up in the bank with the funny face. And if I'm fake, I ain't know this cause my money ain't. Hey, let me get this straight. Wait, I'm the rookie, but my features and my show is ten times your pay. The DK for a verse, no album out. Yeah, my money's so tall that my Barbie's gotta climb it. Hotter than the Middle East and climb it. Find it. 20 my Tyrone, go to 
I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. And the school's closed, the prison's open We ain't got nothing to lose, motherfucker, we rolling Huh? Motherfucker, we rolling With some light-skinned girls and some Kelly Rollins And this white man world, we the ones chosen So good night, cool world, I see you in the morning Huh? I see you in the morning This is way too much, I need a moment No one man should have all that power The clock's ticking, I just count the hours I'm tripping off the power Till then, fuck that, the world's ours Fuckin' nail in the whole cast Tell him easy said they could kiss my whole ass More specifically, they could kiss my ass Napoleon, my furs is Mongolian, my ice brought the goalies, and I embody every characteristic of the egotistic, he knows, he's so fucking gifted, I just needed time alone, with my own thoughts, got treasures in my mind, but couldn't open up my own vault, my talent, like creativity, purity, and honesty is honestly being crowded by these grown thoughts, reality is catching up with me, taking my inner child, I'm fighting for a custody, with these responsibilities that they entrusted me, as I look down at my diamond and crush the peace, thinking no one man should have all that power, the clock's ticking, I just count the hours, stop tripping, I'm tripping off the powder, till then, fuck that, the world's Translation with a whole fucking nation. They say I was the Obama nation of Obama's nation. Well, that's a pretty bad way to start the conversation. At the end of the day, goddammit, I'm killing this shit. I know damn well y'all feeling this shit. I don't need your pussy, bitch. I'm on my own dick. I ain't got a power trip. Who you going home with? How you doing? I'm surviving. I was drinking earlier. Now I'm driving. What a bad bitch is
letting everything go You got the power to let power go Status. Uh. My big brother was Big's brother. Used to be Dame and Big's brother. Who was hip hop brother? Who was no ID friend? No ID, my mentor. And I let the story begin. It's the hard knock life tour. Sell out. Picture us in the mall, copping iceberg and yell out, Jigga. Yeah, that's a weird yell out, yell out. You know the name, do I gotta spell out or tell about J A Y? And Ye so shy that he won't even step to his idol to say hi. Standing there like a mime and let the chance pass by. Back of my mind, he could change your life. With all these beats I did, at least let him hear. At least you could brag to your friends back at the gig. But he got me at my mama crib. Then he helped me get my mama a crib. Big brother was Big's brother. Used to be Dame and Big's brother. Who was hip-hop brother? Who was no ID friend? No ID my mentor. And I let the story begin. Begin. Let the story begin. If you feel the way I feel, why don't you wave your hands? Fresh off the plane, I'm off the baseline. Nothing handed out, I'm about to take mine Round the same time of that blueprint one And these beats in my pocket was that blueprint form I play my little songs in that old back room Hear Bob his head and say, damn, oh that's you But by the black album, I was blacking out Party at SOBs and we had packed the crowd Big brother got a show up in Madison Square And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we gonna be there But not only did I not get a chance to spit it Colleen told me I could buy two tickets. I guess Big Brother was thinking a little different and kept Little Brother at bay at a distance. But everything that I felt was more bogus, only made me more focused, only wrote more potent. Only thing I want to know is why I get looked over. I guess I understand when I get more older. Big Brother saw me at the bottom of the totem. Now I'm on the top and everybody on the scrotum. My Big Brother was Big's brother. Used to be Dame and Big's brother. Who was hip-hop brother? Who was no ID friend? No ID my mentor. And I let the story begin, begin. Let the story begin. If you feel the way I feel, why won't you wave your hands? Have you ever walked in the shadow of a giant? Not only your client, the presidito. Ola Ovito. The game getting foul, so here's the free throw. I was always on the other side of the peephole. Then I dropped Jesus Walks, now I'm on the steep hole. And we know New Jack City gotta keep my brother But to be number one, I'ma beat my brother On that Diamonds remix, I swore I spazzed Then my big brother came through and kicked my ass Sibling rivalry, only I could see It was the pride in me that was driving me At the Grammys, I said I inspired me But my big brother, who always tried to be When I kicked the flow, it was like pick and roll 
Cause even if he gave me the rock, it's give me go. I guess being style was more of a slam dunk. And my shit was more like a finger roll. But I had them singles though. And them hoes at the show going mingle, yo. Hey, y'all know. I told Jay I did a song with Coldplay. Next thing I know, he got a song with Coldplay. Back in my mind, I'm like, damn, no way. Translate Espanol, no way, Jose. Then I went and told Jay Brown. Should've known that was gonna come back around. Should've taught you like a man, should've told you first. But I told somebody else, and that's what made shit worse. My big brother was Big's brother. So here's a few words from your kid, brother. If you admire somebody, you should go ahead and tell them. People never get the flowers while they can still smell them. I idle in my eyes. God of the game, heart of the city. Rockefeller chain, never be the same. Never be another number one young hope. Also, my big brother, my big brother was Big's brother. Used to be Dame and Big's brother. Who was hip hop brother? Who was no ID friend? No ID my mentor. And that's where the story ends. Don't kill this shit.